0: We are, of course, are going to continue this morning, I thought about changing it, but we're going to continue this morning our series on the family. We started this... Uh when did we start this? I don't know. Every, everything's running together. I don't know. It could be two months ago, but I think it was two weeks ago. Uh, so we're going to continue our series on the family. Uh, we're going to talk about how to destroy your family this morning. I encourage you, if you haven't been uh, following, to uh, go on YouTube. You can find these sermons to kind of get the context of the, the sermon that we're doing today, the flavor of the sermon. Uh, so kind of a recap here. We looked at 1st uh, Again, that must have been two or three weeks ago. Uh, God's design for the family. We looked at families under fire, some external threats to the family uh, that we're facing, uh, not just today, but of course, this is things that families have faced pretty much since the beginning of time. Uh, so we're going to talk about how to destroy your family. And you can see up there, I'm not going to read them out, uh, the, can, the, seri- the lessons that we're going to do as we go throughout this series. So this is a struggle that I have in a series like this, I look out at the audience and I see the different kinds of people that we have and different life circumstances, making this relevant to everyone. We're talking about uh, the family. Now, it is, I guess, true that everyone does have a family or comes from a family, but you may be in a position now where you're estranged from your family or you're not living with your family or your family is in, in a different country perhaps or whatever the circumstance may be. So I struggle with the idea of how to make a series like this relevant for all, but as we saw last week, and I really encourage you again to go back and listen if you haven't to last week's series uh, ser- sermon. The struggles facing the family are extensions of struggles facing the individual. And this is a truism, not just of families, but of congregations or really any group of people, because we're all individuals, right? Gru- uh, groups are just collections of individuals. So the, the, the problems that face a family as a group of individuals are really just extensions of the same problems that each of us face. And really, most of the instructions in Scripture, we're going to look at a bunch today, most of the instructions in Scripture that help us build strong families are just instructions to individuals. How to live your individual life. Now, as we'll see later on in the series, one of the primary functions of the church is to serve as a family that transcends the physical. So if you're in a position where Maybe your parents have passed on, or you're estranged from your children, or or for whatever reason, you don't have contact with your earthly family. The church is supposed to serve as that function, right? A group of people with whom you can be connected with. And, and as we saw a couple weeks ago, if God's design for the family is to meet human need, look, the church is supposed to do that as well. So, as we study these things, two points. I hope you'll see application for your personal life in these attitudes and behaviors that we're going to talk about, but also in your congregational service, how you relate to other people in this group, right? That's what we're we're going for here. Now, last week we looked at external threats to the family. This week we're going to look at the internal personal threats. If last week we looked at outside forces, the pressures that they exert on the family, what about internally? And really we're asking the question, as as we've already said, how do you destroy your family? What sort of behaviors or attitudes or actions or emotions will tear a family apart? Not things from the outside, but things from us. Now, we're going to hit a lot of ideas this morning. This is a rapid-fire sermon. Uh, we're going to unpack these more as we go throughout this series. This is uh, an overview, and I, I'm just going to list the, some of the things we're going to talk about this morning, and you think, wow, how is he possibly going to do that in 20 minutes? I will. I promise. It's going to happen. Pride, apathy, contempt, pressure. Pressure is the weird one we'll talk about. And then a lack of some things. And, and of course, next lesson, how to restore your family, is really going to discuss the inverse of most of these, right? So if, if these are how we destroy our family, these attitudes, well, how we restore our family is the opposite, right? So we're going to unpack these more. And then uh, I, I thought about reversing this, but I decided to stick with the original plan. After these two lessons, we're going to look at how these things play out in families in the Bible. Uh, we look at some, some case studies, if you will, in a couple of weeks of how these things affected people, stories we have in Scripture of how these things happened in people's families. And, and I hope again we see how that we can apply that to ours. So the first category, we're going to break these into three categories. The selfish attitudes, which are pride, apathy, and contempt. Let's talk about proverbs. I don't know if you, uh, how much you've read proverbs in your life. If you do, if you've ever done a personal study on proverbs, I really encourage you, if you've never done that, to do that, because proverbs is one of those books that it's really easy to digest because it's just a bunch of of sort of generally universally applicable. Text. That's all it is. It's not. It's not really complicated. It's just this is the way life usually goes. Not always, but usually. And so we see from Proverbs, Proverbs sixteen, eighteen through nineteen. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. And as we said, this verse doesn't really have anything to do with families specifically. This is an individual, uh, an individual verse, right? If you're proud, that's going to lead to your fall. We see that over and over in history. You've seen it in your life, I'm sure, over and over. But it's also true in families, isn't it, that if we are pride if we're proud, prideful, I kind of got those words mixed up. If we are selfish, if we're arrogant, that's going to destroy our families. Destruction. A couple of verses that really talk about families though, Proverbs 19:26 and 27. He who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. It's that second verse. Why would we cease to hear instruction? Because I know everything I need to know. I have it all put together. I don't need to listen to other people's words of wisdom. I don't need to listen to my parents. I've got it all figured out. That's pride, isn't it? That's arrogance. And what it's going to end up destroying the family, the family, uh, the the relationship dynamic, of course, between the parents and the child in this case. But I would imagine that would go the other way too, if parents think that they have it all figured out and cease to hear instruction. Oh, I don't need to improve as a parent. I know everything I need to know. I'm I'm the best that there ever was. Well, that's probably a really great way to chase away your child. What about Proverbs twenty three twenty two? Listen to your father who gave your life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Let's talk about the word despise here. Or as I put it earlier, contempt. Raise your hand if you made a mistake this week. If your hand is not up, you're a liar. Or you didn't hear, maybe you didn't hear my question. Uh, We all make mistakes, we get that. So we understand that we're supposed to have compassion on those who make mistakes, right? Empathy with those who make mistakes. But here's what happens when we're proud and arrogant, when we see the mistakes of our family members, if that leads us to despising and contempt. Families can survive all sorts of sins and mistakes because they have to. That's how we are. We all make those mistakes and families survive. When a family is going to start Breaking down is not when people sin, because you do that all the time. It's when we have this contempt for the failures of our family members. When we refuse to view them with compassion and empathy and we despise, right? That's when things are going to break down. James 3, 13 through 16. Who is wise and understanding among you? And again, this is a passage that is not... Uh, this is not James is not writing to the family per se, He's writing to a group, the congregation. And he's writing about congregational discord. Yet I think the principle still stands. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him do his works in the meekness of wisdom. Meekness, one of the opposites of pride. Not the only opposite, but very similar to humility, right? But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is jealousy and selfish, or from where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Well, that's true in the congregation, and you know where it's also true is in the family. If you want to destroy your family, make it all about you. Try to get your way all the time. Make every decision about what's best for you. That will tear your family apart. What is it going to be? Disorder in every vile practice. Most family problems can be, if you just think about family counseling, which I've done my fair share of, most of the time, family problems can be traced back to selfishness. Why? Because that's where most human problems can be traced back to, is selfishness. Now, we haven't talked about apathy. I want to talk about, really briefly, apathy here. The idea that we don't care about what's going on in our family. That's also a form of selfishness. Now, we're going to unpack this more next week when we talk about how to restore your family. Because, really, you have to care about your family to restore. A lot of times we get in this mode of, well, I'm just going to do my thing and whatever anybody else is doing, so whatever they want to do, good for them. And we have that attitude in our country, in our congregation, and in our families. When you stop caring about what the other person is doing, that's going to lead to a breakdown of the family. You're not going to help them be better. You're not going to lead them to God. You're not going to point them to the church. You're not going to care about the mistakes that they make. You're not going to help them when they're down, right? So it's not just contempt, but also just not caring. Parents, especially for you, if you really want to destroy your family, let your kids do whatever they want and don't care. Not that you mistreat them, not that you're mean to them, just don't care about what they do. That will destroy your family. Now, let's talk about this pressure. The second thing that will really destroy a family is the pressure that comes from expecting too much. Now, I'm going to read a couple of verses that may not make sense, but bear with me here. Hebrews 12, 8 through 10. If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And again, not necessarily talking about the family, talking about God's discipline for his people. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. What's the contrast in this text? There's a couple of things. But really at the core, the earthly father versus the spiritual father, the heavenly father. And what's his point, the Hebrew writer? Your earthly fathers didn't do everything right, obviously, right? Right? They disciplined us as seemed best to them, which, as we've already established, you all made mistakes this week, so I'm assuming that includes fathers and mothers and children. But what? Who's the perfect father? It's not your earthly father. No matter how much you love your earthly father, he's not perfect. Only God is, right? Let's read another text. Oops, went too far. 2 Corinthians 1, 19-22 For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Sylvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in Him is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and has put in His, has, Man, i got to start that verse over. It is God who has establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. That's a weird verse to read. What's the point? If you want to destroy your family, expect them to be perfect. They never will be. They will not supply all of your need. They can't because they are not God. Right? Your parents are not God. Your children are not God. Your spouse is not God. So they will inevitably, and I hate to say this, they will let you down. If you expect your family to be the source of all good things in your life, to satisfy your every need and do everything that you need and, and, and fulfill you perfectly, then you will be disillusioned with your family when they inevitably fail to do so. And that kind of pressure that only my family can provide everything I need will eventually tear you apart because they won't and they can't. Who is the only one that can perfectly satisfy you. Christ, right? God. Your family will not be perfectly what you need them to be. And if we cannot accept that, the pressure that that creates on our families will tear us apart. And it is not fair of you. We could talk about the individual relationships in the family. It's not fair of you to expect your spouse to do what Christ is going to do. And that is, provide you with perfect purpose and satisfaction and fulfillment. Your spouse isn't going to do that. Your spouse is broken like you are. Only Christ is going to do that. It's not fair of you to expect your parents to have all the answers. Because only God has all the answers. It's not fair of you to expect your children to provide you with perfect joy and happiness. Because as great as our children are, they're not Christ. Stop putting that pressure on your family. God designed the family to meet human need, but because humans are flawed, so are families, are they not? Only God is perfectly reliable. The third category then, the missing pieces. So we've talked about some things we could have that would destroy our family. What about some things that we could lack that would destroy our family? Honesty, forgiveness, and acceptance. John 3.20, and again, these things are not written to the family, but to just individual Christians. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light... Yes, to, lest his work should be exposed. James 5.16, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. If I'm supposed to confess my sins to you guys, because he's talking to the church, right? Don't you think I should be doing that with my family too, right? If I want my family to be whole and, and the way that God intended it to be, then I need to be open with you about my faults and sins. When we start hiding things from one another, we start, and what does he say here? Whoever does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. I'm talking about keeping things secret, right? When I start having that attitude that I'm just going to keep hiding and and maybe I'm presenting this sort of facade of perfection and I've got it all together and I don't ever share my struggles and I don't ever share my problems... That's going to tear you apart inside and really put a strain on your family relationships. You have to be open and honest with one another. Now, the flip side of that is if you as a family member are not cultivating a forgiving heart, well, yeah, of course your family members aren't going to confess to you. Right? Ephesians 4.29-32 Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion. Is there a time when discipline is necessary? Yeah, obviously. But there's also time when let go of discipline and forgive, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let our bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Again, individual instruction here, but also would apply to families. Let go of the bitterness because, as we've already stated many times, your family's going to make mistakes, which means that this verse is going to apply to you because your family is going to make mistakes and cause you some anger and wrath and maybe bitterness. You have two options then. Hold on to that, keep it close to your heart, or let go. And that, that word forgiveness, which we'll come to in a minute, That's what this is, is letting go or releasing a debt. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You want to destroy your family? Keep bringing up that one thing they did two years ago that you just can't get past. Not only is that leading to bitterness and poison in your heart, but you know it's going to lead to the same in the person who did the wrong. And you know the next time they do something wrong, the next time they make a mistake, they're not going to come to you. It's going to create a wall where we can't be close to one another. We can't be compassionate with one another. We can't be in the sort of relationship that God intended for the family. Romans 12, 3 through 5, on the other hand, now we're we're actually not on the other hand, broadening this out. Okay, so we've been talking about this in our, did we talk about this? Like I said, everything's running together. It's on YouTube somewhere. We did a live stream talking about the, dif- oh, we've been talking about it Wednesday night. It just came to me, in Romans. The differences that we have that are not sins. Now, the things that we have been talking about previously, those are sinful things. We make mistakes that are sinful, and, and we need to confess, and we need to forgive. But there's a whole lot of differences in our families that are not sinful, You like different things, you like different food, you have different hobbies, you have different personalities, even within families. There's a lot of variation, right, in in non-sinful things. What do we see here? Romans 12, 3 through 5. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And again, we see this as it applies to the church. But wouldn't this also be the same of the family? You have different functions. You have different talents. You have different things that you're doing. So when we think about acceptance, that word acceptance, a buzzword, Yeah, we're accepting that our family has flaws and we need to help each other overcome those things and come closer to Christ. But there's a whole host of things that are not sinful that do not require change. They don't require any difference. They're just different. And when we can't accept those things and embrace those things, that again will create those walls in our family. Maybe I... I'm really trying to spiritually accept my family. But if I'm not accepting just that people have different personalities and like different things, again, why would my family want to be close to me? And this is true, again, not just of family relationships, but learning to embrace differences that aren't sinful and also let go of past wrongs because those are the two different things for acceptance, right? Right? Letting go of past wrongs, embracing differences that aren't sinful. This is key to all relationships, not just the family. So, let's sum it up here. See, I told you 20 minutes. Man, I'm good. How to destroy your family. Number one, put yourself first. And this is true not just of your earthly family, but of your church family. You want to destroy your family, put yourself first. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. If I don't get my way, I throw a fit. Man, don't we know people like that? That if I don't get my specific way, and and even about really mundane, unimportant things, I didn't get to eat at the restaurant that I wanted to eat at. So I make sure that everybody has a miserable time when we're eating at wherever. I don't know. What's a restaurant I don't like? I don't want to say that. If I put myself first, that is going to tear apart the family. Stop caring about what your family members are doing. This is, again, apathy. Apathy. If I don't care about what you're doing, and this applies in a couple of ways. One, we can, again, think about sin. If I don't care that my family members are sinning, just living in rebellion to God, what does that say about how I view their soul? If I know that my family member is lost, and I don't do anything about it because I don't want to face the conflict or I don't want to deal with it, what are you saying about how much you care about them you're just willing to let them be lost because we know that they might get hit by a bus tomorrow or get covid or whatever anything that might happen and you're just willing to let them be lost because you don't care now we can think about things that don't matter or I say don't matter, things that are not eternally significant, they do matter in some sense, but things that are not sinful or things that are not leading to separation, even then, if you are not invested in your family's life, and I think about the passage, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Well, yeah, we're talking about congregationally, but also in your family. If you don't show interest in what your family's doing, why would they want to be close to you? Why would they? You know how relationships work. Hold on to bitterness and resentment. If you want to destroy your family, this is a really good one. Hold on to that bitterness. You know, that person, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a child. I can't believe they did that thing to me three years ago. And you know, they haven't done anything like it since. And they're trying to do better and they're trying to make the right choices. But you know what? I just can't let go of that one thing they did that one time. So why would I pursue a good relationship with that person? The answer is you won't. Expect your family to be perfect and satisfy your every need. Nobody can live with that kind of pressure. And this especially happens with spouses. Again, I want to really stress this. Your spouse cannot do the job that Christ is supposed to do. Your spouse will not be everything for you. And putting that kind of pressure on them is unfair and will ultimately lead to a broken marriage. Because only Christ is going to satisfy the every part of your purpose. Keep secrets and lie about your problems. This is a great way to destroy your family. We're hiding things. We're keeping things separate. And, and over time, you know how it goes. Maybe we've all done this before. Over time, you're keeping a secret about one thing. You have one problem. But you know what? You get into the habit of not sharing. You get into the habit of not confiding. And now I'm not going to tell you about this second thing and this third thing and this fourth thing. And before you know it, I have a whole life that you have no idea about or maybe the opposite that will tear apart our families never i already said this one it's sort of the same right never let go of past wrongs keep bringing them up and finally force everyone to have the same personality and interests if you're not willing to embrace again the non sinful differences in our in our personalities and our behaviors and in our interests if you're not willing to embrace those parts of your family members that are different from you but not sinful, they're not going to want anything to do with you. And rightfully so. Maybe this is children. Maybe this is parents. Maybe this is spouses. And this is closely tied to number four, right? Because we're different, obviously other people are going to be different than us. And and as a family, we're trying to cultivate spiritual growth. And that av- that has many avenues, doesn't it? If you have different talents than me, I don't need to make you into what I am. I need to embrace your talents that may be different than mine and help you find the avenue to glorifying God the way that you can. Not only as a congregation, but as a family too, right? So as we think about how to destroy your family, you look at this list. And really, I hope that as you'll go through this week, you're thinking about these things. And I've said this before. Being intentional about self-inventory, self-evaluation. Maybe, this is some, maybe some of these things are things you're struggling with today. I don't know. I look out and I hope that's not true. But if it is, as we've looked at already, wouldn't we expect that somebody's going to have problems? And if somebody comes and confesses those things, what's the attitude? It's not bitterness and anger. How could you do that, right? What is it? I'm glad that you've confessed. I want to help you. I want to help you overcome. I want to be there for you. That applies congregationally too. So as we offer the invitation today, what's the song? Only a step. Maybe six or seven steps. That's a little bit disingenuous. Maybe you need to come. We have a blank pew right here. Not a pew. A section of seating. If you're struggling with sin, a family problem, if you're struggling and you're separated from God and you know it, And you want to make things right with him. We know how to do that. And we want to be there for you. Amen. Raise your hand if you want people to be close to God. That means if you come forward today. We're not going to judge. We're going to rejoice. Because a person has realized their need for God. Amen. Amen.